The Strategic Leader Podcast, episode number 234. Welcome, everyone, to the program today. I am so grateful that you've joined us for this episode of the Strategic Leader Podcast. My name is Brian Holmes, and let me just say, if this is your first time, welcome. If you are a regular listener to the program, we are super excited to have you in this wonderful community of leaders. Hey, we're in the process of transitioning our program to a new and upgraded format and feel, and while we're transitioning... I've decided to highlight some of our most impactful episodes so far. If you're ready to take your life and leadership to the next level, then I am sure this episode is going to make a huge difference in your life. Let's get focused, let's get engaged, and let's go all in right now. I want to say right up front that in this episode, I'm going to be passionately sharing my heart about a very important topic. It's going to be a little more spiritually focused than other episodes, but I feel it is so important for where we are at this point in history. One of the greatest challenges we face in our world is the absence of real leadership. Let me say it this way. What we really need is godly, principle-centered authentic leadership in all spheres of culture, if we're ever going to see transformation, if we're ever going to see the blessing of the Lord come on our nations, we're going to see prosperity and growth and influence. For a number of years now, I've been shouting from the rooftop, activate, mobilize, let's everybody get in our place. Unfortunately, there seems to be an intentional effort on the parts of many to maintain separation between what we commonly refer to as church or the religious sector and the marketplace or the business world. There is a them and an us syndrome. You either have a secular job or vocation or you have uh, or maybe you're in full-time ministry, and I'm using quotation marks with my fingers. I, I really have come to not appreciate that distinction. <laughs> Let me put it this way. I can't stand the idea that there is secular and sacred. We seem to think that as Christians, if you're an ordained minister— then, well, you have somehow risen above the average status quo, uh, normal person, church attendee, because those folks just work in the world. They work in the world. So you're either a recognized minister or you're a church attendee who simply does secular business. Well, it's my opinion that that mindset is crippling our ability to bring the kingdom of God into the earth. I, I just can't imagine how we're ever going to have substantial results, supernatural results, as long as we are constantly driving a wedge between heaven and earth. Because of this paradigm, the Christian church as we've known it is becoming or has become less and less relevant, more and more impotent as it relates to its ability to be salt and light. 
Now, I know this is a bit of a Bible thing right now, but let me just share this with you. We are called to be salt and light. And how can we influence the surroundings in which we are placed if we're not being who we're called to be? You can't extract the potency of the salt and expect the environment to change. So how can we begin to shift the tide? How can we begin to to change this mindset? How can we tear down the walls that have separated us and them? How can we become the change that we really want to see in our world? How do we break down the barrier between secular and sacred? How do we how do we just completely annihilate and eliminate this idea that there's ministry and then there's work. I'm talking about convergence. Well, this represents a significant part of what we do here at brianholmes.com. You see, I want to come alongside of men and women who have a deep desire to make a substantive, a, a massive difference in their world. I want to see individuals like you equipped, empowered, activated, trained, mentored, coached so that you can engage in those realms of culture, so that you can administer the kind of influence that you're capable of, that you're called to administer, and do so in these environments where change is so desperately needed. In this episode, I'm going to share with you several keys around this topic. Today, I want to talk about this subject, convergence. When ministry meets the marketplace, what does it look like when men and women step up, engage, and do what they are called to do wherever it is they are planted, wherever it is they are working, that is their field. Let's talk about convergence. Let's talk about when ministry meets the marketplace. Well, we're going to start today with a few passages of Scripture that I believe will give us a phenomenal backdrop for what we're talking about. Matthew 5, verse 13 to 16 says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? When the salt has lost its potency, it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. He goes on to say, you are the light of the world. So first we're salt and now we're light. You are a city set on a hill, cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and then put it under a basket. Oh my God, am I going to talk about that? But rather you take that light and you put it on a lampstand and it gives light to all who are in that house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. One more, and I wish I had time to read the entirety of Matthew chapter 10 because it's a powerful 
dissertation or instruction, really a command by Jesus to his disciples about, I've given you power to deal with these things, now go. Verse 16 in chapter 10 of Matthew says, Behold, I send you out. Everyone say out with me. Out. As sheep in the midst of wolves. I'm not calling you to, to avoid wolves. I'm sending you right into the middle of the 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 mess so be shrewd as serpents and be innocent as doves you are the salt of the earth you are the light of the world if your salt has no potency it's no good and people are going to walk all over you if your light is hidden behind the the veil of institutionalized christianity or systems or programs The light's not going to help anybody, but I want your light to shine. And I'm sending you out into the middle of the mess for my purposes. Well, I've been raised all of my life in a Christian environment. And by Christian, I simply mean I've been raised in a home and around people who have a similar faith that I did growing up. We believe in Jesus Christ. We have accepted him as our Lord and as our Savior. We have uh, plugged into or engaged in what we uh, know as church attendance, church involvement, and I believe in it as much as anybody else does because I believe we're not supposed to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. But over centuries now, the Christian church has become something that I believe it was never intended to be. And I could talk about so many aspects of what that means to me, but I'm going to try to focus in in one area today. As a child, a young kid growing up in a church environment, I remember clearly having the impression that we as Christians were to have no part in this world. We were taught it, I mean, hard, baby. You are not to be a part of this world. In fact, we were taught this passage that is, so terribly misconstrued and misused, but we were taught this idea that we are to come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord. And and the interpretatious of that, and I'm being facetious, was that we are to isolate ourselves and not be in any type of connectedness to anything other than what smelled like us, dressed like us, looked like us, thought like us. It was as if the them that we're supposed to separate from was nasty and wretched and untouchable. (laughs) It was as though once you were saved, quote unquote, you were to leave the big city and move to the commune and isolate yourself from anyone and everything that did not believe what you believed and just become a hermit, Just, just become a loner and... Just our little few, we're right, everybody else is going to hell in a handbasket, and don't you dare be a part of anything they're doing. We were actually taught this kind of stuff. Hey, we were taught, I was taught, and I believe most of you probably were if you have the same or similar background that I do, we were taught that money was evil. We were were taught that to desire or to pursue success was evidence that your heart was darkened and that you were full of lust and greed and your life had not yet been fully committed to Christ. We were told that uh, we were to have no fellowship with sinners, no friendships with people of different bents or persuasions than ourselves. 
This fascinates me because Jesus regularly fellowshiped with, dined with, and went into the homes of prostitutes and tax collectors and rank sinners. And boy, did it tick off the religious people of his day. Here's another one that that I'm still trying to figure out. For as far back as I can remember, we were I was introduced to this term in the church. In the church. Are they in the church? Are you in the church? Well, they're out of the church right now. They're not in the church. They're out of the church. They're in the church. They're it's crazy. I have come to believe that I am not in the church. I have come to believe that I am the church. Where two or three of you are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. When I get together with one other person across a table of lunch or coffee or whatever, or in my office just chatting it up, the church of God is on display. I am in Christ, therefore I'm a new creature, but I'm not in the church. I'm not in the church, I'm in Christ. The idea that you were either a member or a saint in the four walls of the local expression of God's church, you were either that or you were, wait for it, you were in the world. Where else am I? Dang straight, I'm in the world. I'm on the planet stinking earth. (laughs) That's where I am. But I love what scripture says. You were in this world. Yes. Dang straight, I am in this world, but I am not of it. That means that my origin is not of this earth. I was before the foundations of the world, God created me and he had everything concerning my life sealed in his heart. It's determined. It's destiny. It's waiting for me. Now, here's the kick. He placed me in the world here right now for a reason. So I am in the world. Yet we have had this crazy idea that we're not supposed to be in the world. We're supposed to be in the church. Listen, you are the church in the world. (laughs) How about that? You know, we read scriptures a moment ago about being salt and light. You are the salt of the earth. If the salt has lost its potency, then it's not good for anything. The only thing that's going to happen to salt that's not good anymore, not potent, or not uh, doesn't have the capacity anymore to change something, is it going to be tossed out and going to be trampled on by men. Can I tell you that the Christian coalition of the world, that is, those of us who are believers, sons and daughters of the Most High God, in so many ways, the value and the potency of what we are has become of no effect. Therefore, we are being walked all over by small minorities of people who have agendas that are unrighteous, ungodly, and are leading our nations into the ditch. You are the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Yet, if you take that light that you are and you cover it or seal it or put a bushel over it, and this is a word picture here saying, don't take the light that you are and constrain it to a system that's going to limit its effectiveness. Light is meant for darkness, and if you cover it up, it's not going to penetrate darkness. Don't put your light in a container. Light is meant to pursue darkness. Numerous passages, my gosh, so many passages in the Bible talk about our mandate, which is to go, to infiltrate, to be a part of, to to assimilate into and take what is in us and cause it to change that environment. How can, listen to this, how can we be salt if we are not appropriately applied to the environment that needs our seasoning? 
What is the purpose of salt? You add salt to any dish or recipe, and the salt will fundamentally change the environment to which it is introduced. That is the word picture. That is the metaphor that the word of God is giving us here. To be salt, I have to be where the change is needed. How can we embrace an idea of separation when separation by default removes us from the very environment that God is wanting to send us into so that his change can be appropriated there. How can we be light to light? Listen, if you're in a lit up room, you don't need light. But if you're in a dark place, you need light. We are light in darkness. Now, let me take it a step further. The Western church, and really in so many ways all over the world, but let's just talk about the West. The, the church in the West has so institutionalized and systemized something that God intended to be organic and full of power and life. We have created so many programs that are designed to be facilitated exclusively within the four walls, yet it is my strong belief in this season that God designed us to administer his will and his kingdom outside the four walls. Now, let me clarify something here. There is a purpose for us coming together. There is a need for leadership, teachers, prophets, all these things. There's a need for this because those gifts within the body of Christ are there to equip all of the people of God so they can then be sent out to do the administration of the kingdom. That's why Jesus said, When you pray, say this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But God's kingdom cannot show up in a place until you show up in a place. That's why Jesus' first announcement concerning his purpose was, repent, the kingdom of heaven just showed up now. I'm here. I am here now. Therefore, the kingdom of God's showing up. And that should be our announcement into every atmosphere, every environment, and every sphere we walk into. When you, with a proper mindset, the power of God, the Holy Spirit leading in your life, when you step into an environment, it should not be, well, I'm going to church on Sunday, and then I'll do my church thing and my religious thing and my spiritual thing there, and then on Monday through Friday, I'm going to be at work now, so that's a different environment. I'm not going to be that same person or take what I have into that market. I'm going to separate the two. No, baby, no. Where you go, the kingdom goes, if if you're of that mindset. The kingdom of God, ladies and gentlemen, is not heaven. It's not some place you're going to go. The kingdom of God is about a king and his domain, his dominion. It's about his will. It's about his agenda. You say, dang, Brian, you're preaching today. I am fired up because I am tired of seeing uh, this ridiculous separation between ministry and the marketplace. Kingdom of God is about his rulership and his lordship, and that is appropriated when you and I, receive and understand who we are, and we engage in that purpose and that calling, and we get busy about the Father's business, not in the church, but out there. All these kingdoms in the world, but the Bible tells us that the kingdoms of this world shall become, they will become the king, the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And when that happens, he shall reign. How does this happen? My gosh, how, how do we get this going on with people who know God, but don't understand yet how to infiltrate their community with ministry in the marketplace. Well, I believe it's going to happen when we, those of us who are redeemed sons and daughters, come to understand who we are and why we're here. I, I really, and please forgive me if I sound a little bit edgy 
with this comment, but for a number of years, many years now, it has bothered me when I hear people say things like, well, when did you receive your call to ministry? And the implication of that question is that what I've been doing in the marketplace, what I've been doing in serving in government or education or wherever it is, what I've been doing was not, it it really implies that what I've been doing is not my ministry. I despise that idea. I think it's a very powerful and has been a very effective strategy of Satan to get us to think in the wrong way so that we do not engage the specific thing God's given us to do where he's given us to do it. So if someone ever asked you the question, have you received a call to ministry? Yeah, before I was ever born, Jeremiah chapter number one, before you were conceived in your mother's womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I set you apart for my purposes. Oh, and by the way, I've called you and appointed you to be a prophet. You have an appointment, a specific assignment in the earth. And oh, by the way, with that specific assignment, I've already put my words in your mouth. I've given you everything you need. I have literally built you from the inside out with all the components and all the tools you will need to accomplish the thing I put you here to do. When did you get your call to ministry? I got my call to ministry before I ever showed up in my mother's womb. That's when I got it. And whether I teach Sunday school in a classroom, whether I preach from a pulpit, whether I stand in a stadium or in front of a group of leaders to train or teach, it doesn't matter. Every day of my life, wherever I find myself, I'm on a mission from God because he created me for ministry. You've heard me talk on this program about the seven mountains or the seven spheres of cultural influence. They are religion, family, government, education, arts and entertainment, media and communication, and then, of course, the big one, business and finance. These spheres must come under the influence of the king of kings. The kingdom of God must come to these spheres. What we've done for many, many years, those of us in the religious mountain, we have been very proud about our mountain, and we have said erroneously, okay, all you people on the family, government, education, entertainment, media, and business and finance mountains, y'all need to leave those mountains because those mountains are evil. They are full of the devil. They are darkness personified. They're in the world. They're in the world. They are in the world. Y'all need to leave those mountains and come over here and join us on the religious mountain. And people have done it by the bazillions and what we've done is we have abandoned our post we have we have forfeited our places we have actually abdicated our responsibilities in these spheres these arenas can be and should be impacted by mobilized believers who are skilled trained empowered and walk in the grace of god that's been given to them to lead in those particular arenas Ladies and gentlemen, what do we need? Can I tell you today, we need con- we, we need ministry and marketplace to collide. Because in all of these sectors, religion, family, government, education, arts, entertainment, communication, media, business, finance, in all of these areas, we need leaders. We need change agents. We need salt. We need light. We need godly voices that will rise up and be counted. We need powerful men and women who are not ashamed to merge 
the anointing and grace they walk in with the skills and the talents they've been given. We need teachers who will take over the classrooms, take over the hallways, take over the lunchrooms of our schools. We need politicians and civil leaders and elected officials, school board members that have the backbone and a fear of the Lord who will govern according to God's word, according to established principles, and according to the rule of law. We need leaders. We need musicians and actors who refuse to sell their soul to the highest bidder. We need musicians and actors and artists who will represent Christ in Hollywood, on Broadway, in New York City, Nashville, all over the world, Paris and Rome. We need entrepreneurs, business owners, CEOs, and managers, business leaders who will create, who will hire, who will lead, who will produce life in the marketplace. That's what we need. We need business leaders who will not give in to pressure from special interest groups or or the squeakiest wheel that happens to be making all the noise. We need leaders who can generate wealth. That's right, wealth. He has given you the power to create wealth. That's what the Bible says. We need leaders who can do that, but at the same time, not have a problem laying hands on the sick or raising the dead or ministering to someone who is broken and hurting. We need leaders who can facilitate Not only a board meeting, but they can facilitate a move of the Spirit of God in the workplace. We need leaders who can build businesses and still maintain a spirit of and a heart of service at the same time. We need real Christ followers in every area of our society, representing the one who owns it all. We need people who are willing to, in every sphere, be led by the Spirit. That's what we need. What we need is we need convergence, two diametrically opposed for the last century streams to come together into one mighty river. No more us and them. Doggone it. No more clergy and laity. No more. Do we honor those to whom honor is due? Absolutely. Do we have leaders and mentors and pastors and various biblical offices that we respect and show deference to and honor. Yes, all of that. But we have to tear down the wall between the two quote-unquote classes of people. No, we are sons, all of us, and we've all been called to minister wherever we are. No more distinguishing between the secular and the sacred. No more distinguishing between those who are in ministry and those who are in the marketplace. We're all in ministry. My friends, I believe that the next great reformation in our world is not going to be born, rather, out of an institution that is what we've known as the church. I believe that the church is going to be awakened in a new kind of way. I believe that the next wave we experience is going to be born out of hungry people, hungry hearts who are seeking God, open to his leadership, not only in the stained glass cathedrals, but in corporate boardrooms, in hotel ballrooms where conferences and entrepreneurial training is going on, in classrooms all over, be it elementary school, preschool, elementary, junior high, high school classrooms and hallways. Oh, God, that leaders would show up in university campuses. I believe God's church is rising up in the workplace. I believe God's real church is rising up in sports arenas, in the banking world, in the halls of government. In Hollywood, on Broadway, in the music industry, television networks, the internet, podcasts, blogs, there's a great awakening taking place. 
the great convergence that's happening right now. It's been trickling for years. There's been splashings of it here and there. There's been a lot of talk about it. But I believe somehow we've entered into the era of convergence where this new movement is being raised up in a very powerful way. All over the world, there is a massive, massive movement of people that are being raised up that understand kingdom, that understand that God cannot be limited to four walls, that understand that God intends for us to prosper, but to prosper on purpose and with purpose. And I'm watching as lives are being changed. I'm encouraged today. A new day is dawning. A new generation of kingdom-minded leaders being raised up. And my question for you that I want to leave you with today, one question. Are you going to be an us and them person? Or can you receive and accept this challenge from me today to become a we and him? Would you with me, join the movement to rip down the walls that have separated the church and the thousands of venues that need to know the power of God and his agenda. Would you join me in this movement to become the persons that God has created us to be, be developed, to learn, to grow, to be trained, to be empowered, and then to be sent? We're not trying to come to church. We're trying to be the church. Would you join me in being the church? Can we be mobilized and deployed to make a difference in our world? Well, thank you for joining us for this special edition episode of the Strategic Leader Podcast. I trust that you are deeply impacted as we discuss meaningful topics on how to grow your life and your leadership and, of course, your influence. You can find the show notes for this episode at brianholmes.com. And we're reminding you that for the next couple of weeks, maybe months, we're going to be bringing you some of our very best podcast content. We don't want you to miss any of those, so tune in each week and we'll continue to bring you wonderful, wonderful content. Hey, we're busy behind the scenes around here updating and upgrading our website, upgrading our podcast, and preparing to launch some really awesome projects. And we're, well, you know, we're looking to the next chapter in our own lives, with our work, with our companies. And uh, we want to encourage you to engage with transition. It's not a bad thing. It's a beautiful thing. You just have to walk it out. So if you're discontent, engage it. If you're in the process of disconnecting, engage it. If you're looking right now and searching for what's next in your life, engage it. Because the next chapter, the next realm, the next level is going to be awesome. Well, last thing I want to encourage you to do, subscribe to our weekly email updates and do share this episode with your friends on social media. Let everyone know what you're engaging with here at brianholmes.com. We would greatly appreciate that. Until next time, we love you, we bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful week.